Welcome to Minnesota. Welcome to Wisconsin. Whatever you call it, Minnesota and Wisconsin are neighbors in a unique corner of the upper Midwest. It's a place of winding rivers, deep blue lakes, endless trails. And don't forget the cheese. I'm Mark Niklaski, a lifelong Minnesota journalist from Duluth who's traveled the world and knows my home state is more than snow, cold, and losing football teams. I'm Keith Ulig. I live in Wausau, right in the center of the state, and I write for the newspaper here. Join us as we explore all the beauty, culture, and adventure in the great states of Wisconsin and Minnesota. If you live here, we'll take you beyond the farm fields and Twin Cities nightlife. If you're visiting, we'll show you all the places that make our state special. Join us on our adventures in Wisconsin. You mean Minnesconsin? No, Wisconsin. Minnesconsin. Wisconsin. There they go, Jerry and Earl, uh, off with their bartender polka. I'm uh, welcome to uh, Minnesconsin, Wisconsin podcast. I'm Mark Nikloski in Duluth. I'm Keith Ulig in Wausau, Wisconsin. And Keith, uh, today we have on our wetsuits and we have our uh, surfboard, waxing up the surfboard because we're going to hit the waves. What kind of surfboards do we have, Mark? I've got a 10-foot-long surfboard with uh, a shark, uh, on, shark fin on the bottom. and uh, It has a fin on the bottom. Is it hollow, Mark? It, well, I don't know. It feels a little... Uh, it doesn't feel hollow to me. It's hollow. It is? Okay. And it's hollow thanks to a guy named Tom Blake from Washburn, Wisconsin. That's in Wisconsin, Minnesota. It is. It is. Yes. So who would have thought that surfing uh, would have been connected to some uh, backwater Minnesconsin, Wisconsin little town on the uh, Shawamigan Bay? It is a very unlikely story, and it's one of my favorite stories that I've run across. In I think in it's it's in one of the top ten, top five stories of my career when I found out about Tom Blake Tom from Blake. Washburn. Yeah, surfing immortal. He is a surfing pioneer, a surfing legend, and it all started in Milwaukee of all places because he was born. I gotta look it up here. I can't quite remember in the early 1900s. Uh, and his mother died of tuberculosis when he was 11 months old. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so before he was even one, he, he never got to know his mother. This tragedy, he was born in 1902. This tragedy is what set up the entire thing in it, but it's kind of a, a little bit of, hang with me on this, it's worth it. So he, he gets, uh, his father gave up care to uh, a relative in Washburn and and Blake grew up in Washburn until uh, like 1919, 1918, when guess what hit? Guess what happened in that time? Well, there that, was a flu affected, pandemic. There was a huge flu pandemic, and schools were shut down, and Blake just took off. He just uh, started uh, hitting the rails and, 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 in fact, became kind of a hobo. He ended up in Detroit for some reason where he met the legendary Hawaiian surfer Duke Kahanamuku. That capital of surfing, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Duke Kahanamuku is 
obviously from Hawaii, and he had just gotten back from the Olympics where he was an Olympic swimmer. And uh, what happened was Blake went to a, like a movie theater and Duke was there and they met. They just like cross paths. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Blake was influenced, deeply influenced by this and he became a, a swimmer. And uh, he ended up down in California where he became like a national caliber swimmer like uh beating out well no he wasn't beating he was second to johnny weissmuller oh, from uh, yeah. yes yes and he also worked in movies too he worked as a stuntman for a while he he doubled for uh clark gable at one point well so it yeah i mean i can see somebody from minisconsin and wiscasota being a dominant swimmer with all our lakes and rivers here yeah, I, I believe he did start swimming like in uh, the Washburn Bay, uh, Schwamigan Bay, I think it is. Yep, Schwamigan. Yep, Schwamigan Bay. He's out there swimming. Yeah. Maybe that's how he, he got hooked on that. But yep. but surfing, where does that go? How do you find get, get well Duke? On that? Duke is Duke was like a a legendary surfer. And just through that chance meeting, you know, he must have piqued the curiosity of Tom Blake. And so Tom is becoming, a, you know, a heavy-duty competitive swimmer in California, mostly like long swims. Uh -huh. uh, like I'm looking right here on his Wikipedia page, he, uh, he won uh, a, a prestigious East Coast race 10 miles long on the Delaware River in 1922. So he started to kind of surf when he was in Southern California and kind of trying to get his uh, his um, swimming career going. And he just ended up going to Hawaii and trying to hook up with Duke. And he just became uh, enraptured with surfing. And at that time, surfing was kind of a neat sport. It was almost like... Uh, an ethnic sport, you know, for like, uh, you know, South Pacific, ethnic Hawaiians, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they used heavy, heavy boards that were not hollow. And um, Tom created the first hollow board. Uh, and that was groundbreaking. And then he put a fin on that hollow board. And that was groundbreaking. But then he even like he invented a waterproof camera. So he could take surfing pictures, and those pictures that he took with that camera ended up in National Geographic, and it and the sport of surfing ballooned. Huh. And throughout throughout the fifties, you know, uh, for a short time in the World War, during World War Two, he uh, joined the Coast Guard. He's old for that, you know. He's old by that time. But uh, he jo he joined the Coast Guard and he just lived this sort of surf surfing dude life before there was he invented the surfing yeah, dude life. Like, well, it sounds like he was an innovator too, you know, Keith. I yeah, mean, just uh, inventing all these uh, things to, to he was a genius popularize he, and make yeah. surfing easier, you know. Uh, yes. Kind yeah, of like the and, rollerblader guys uh, invented in Minnesota and Wisconsin too. Yeah, I would say uh, 
I would history. say so, although maybe even more deeply impacting the sport, you know, yeah. because it's just, it changed everything. There would not be a modern sport had it not be for Tom Blake, or though, although somebody else might have made these changes later, you know. Sure. Um, but he was the first, yeah, amazing. He did it. He did it. And the thing is, he, like, he would move back and forth from Hawaii to California, um, you know, his photos are good. They, end, I mean, they seriously ended up in, uh, in, um, in National Geographic. Um, and then here's the other thing. He's just like so far ahead of his, his time in the way he was thinking. He, be, he became a vegetarian when he was young. And then he, he actually kind of, and this is what really got me into it. He got into this uh, philosophy. So up in Washburn somewhere, uh, he etched nature equals God. And, and to this day, surfing gurus head up to Washburn to go see that. In, in like some limestone cliff along a yeah. little creek that goes into yes. the Schwamigan Bay. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm sure you can and find it on the internet, the location, if you're interested. I am going to go look for it. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that he wrote, uh, I guess he, let's see, it, he wrote a book called The Voice of the Atom. And he was uh, influenced by Albert Einstein, uh, a slew of philosophers, Descartes, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Socrates, Aristotle. And in essence, what he believed is that... Um, so nature is God. He believed that within atoms is is uh, you know a complete world of atoms. So like when you die, your atoms become part of the universe, and then that's how you gain immortality. So I'm I'm simplifying it greatly, yeah. but in in essence, he uh, just had this sort of really sophisticated uh thoughts about religion and life he was an environmentalist you know that was part of the reason he became a vegetarian well i know that there's a great display on him on uh on uh surfer uh, in his surfer regalia at the washburn historical society which is really a neat little in a neat little building right in downtown washburn Yes, uh, definitely worth uh, going to and checking out. And there's a big, uh, a big section on uh, on the surfer god, and I think even like a statue of him uh, in there. As yes. I recall, I, we were in there a couple years ago, and yeah, highly recommend uh, checking out that. Uh, I th I think the statue is at the park, is from what I understand. Again, I'm I haven't seen yeah. the museum exhibition. Although I'm working on a, a, a follow-up piece because um, I actually got to... Uh, so I wrote about Tom Blake. Uh, that story ran across the state and I got a lot of feedback from surfers. Yeah. Uh, there's their efforts in the Milwaukee surfing community to get a, a statue of Tom down there, but they also want to see him be put in the Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame. But I also uh, connected with Tom Blake's nephew, Tom, Tom Blake. <laughs> nephew and, Tom. And so, and so nephew Tom told me 
that, yeah, uh, when he was growing up, he knew about Surfer Tom, but he didn't know Tom's impact on the surfing community. He goes, because we always heard about these these uh, stories about Uncle Bob. Well, so, so uh, Nephew Tom's um, father's name is Bill, and uh, Bill had a brother named Bob, and these guys were half brothers of uh tom blake they were um you know same father different mother because yeah. tom blake's mother died and bob blake ended up uh going on to be a professional hockey player for i don't know how long 15 20 years yeah, back in the 30s and is in and is in the u.s hockey hall of fame and i just find that to be just incredible you have these two high level highly uh you know attuned athletic people and they were they were not influenced by each other so there must be <laughs> i asked a, a nephew tom about that and he goes i don't know it must be in the genes well, you know that's for sure. so you know there's surfer tom and hockey bob and yep. hockey bob uh played in from the 30s to the 50s he got into the nhl a cup of coffee, according to our our uh, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame uh, statistics, twelve games with the Boston Bruins, uh, uh -huh. but he played for years and years in in uh, minor leagues uh, in Boston, Buffalo, Minneapolis, uh, Houston. So uh, yeah, he played a lot of hockey in his time, and I'm sure that's why he's in the the Hall of Fame. Uh, very difficult for Americans uh, to to uh, play professional hockey back in those days, as it was dominated by Canadian athletes. Um, but uh, yeah, Bob Blake, uh, and there's Hockey Bob, Surfer Tom, and now we have Nephew Tom, too. And he's in Milwaukee, Keith, is that it? No, no, Nephew Tom lives in Plymouth, Minnesota. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, this is a truly Wiscasota family, Mark, yeah. because... Uh, so, like, uh, Bill and Bob grew up mostly in Hibbing. Um, Surfer Tom's father, Tom, ended up in Hibbing, and he worked as a bartender for, like, the social club for the mine there. Yeah. And I guess he was a real gregarious, outgoing guy, Irish, you know, of Irish heritage. And uh, Bob and Bill were the same way. And... Um, but somehow there was a connection, and uh, nephew Tom didn't quite know why this happened because both Bob and Bill were born in Ashland. So he said, whatever his grandmother, you know, must have had known a doctor in Ashland, maybe grew up in Ashland, but she would leave Hibbing, come to Ashland to have her children. Isn't wow. that weird? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. There's more uh, athletic uh, prowess in that family, too. Um, so nephew Tom's, I think is his older brother, one of his brothers ended up uh, being a great football player and ended up uh, making the roster for the for the of the Bears for a bit. Chicago Bears, man. I don't think he ever uh, like made it off of the practice squad, but still, come on. And then uh, Tom Blake himself uh, played football at um, is it North Dakota University at Grand Forks. And I think he's been named in their Hall of Fame as a football player. So he's a fo football, you know, Tom. A football, <laughs> football Tom, surfer Tom, hockey Bob. <laughs> <laughs>
And why are we talking about surfing? It's November probably when we're airing this uh, episode is because it is actually surf season in Minnesconsin right now. Yes, it is. The uh, Lake Superior has become a surfing destination uh, for uh, surfers all over the country. Uh, freshwater surfing, Keith. It's kind of like wild swimming. Uh, yes. Except you've got a surfboard attached to your ankle. Um, yep. Yep. Stony uh, he po- invented that too, by the way, the ankle uh, cord. Really? Wow. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, Stony Point, if you're thinking about uh, surfing, you know, getting into surfing, uh, want to try it, or, or you're already a surfer, but you didn't know about Lake Superior surfing, if Stony Point, uh, probably about 30 miles uh, up the shore from Duluth, uh, maybe not even that far, uh, is the uh, mecca for uh, surfing on Lake Superior. And uh, Jen and I have gone out there and watched them surf. You can actually uh, drive your car right to the shoreline, uh, right right behind the rocks, and you can uh, watch these surfers paddling out into, you know, what, probably 20 degree uh, or what it's not frozen so it's got to be like it cannot be 20 degrees no it's got to be like in the 40s probably 40 degree water Mm -hmm. uh yeah and these uh waves crashing in on the rocks i don't know how they do it keith because i would be scared to like uh surf you know you ride the wave you ride the wave and then the wave takes you right into a giant rock (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I do, well, I guess that's where the fin comes in. It's very uh, important to very important to have that fin on your surfboard so you can like avoid the rocks. Shift your weight and yeah, shift your weight and steer rather than riding on a plank. Yeah, you don't have to worry about uh hitting rocks in in uh, you know, uh, Hawaii or uh in California, but here in uh, Lake Superior, I I would think you have to worry about it. I don't. I've never heard of a surfer doing that. So there must be some uh, way the waves break and the way the wind blows that the surfers never really get close to the rocks. But uh, <laughs> it still it looks very dangerous, uh, you know. And I think uh, there's something too about fresh water, don't you think, Keith? About surfing in fresh water. I have uh, no idea. Well, I, I do know, you know. So when I was reporting that story about Tom Blake, I sort of connected in into the Milwaukee surfing community. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, well, one guy who, uh, he actually makes his own surfboards now. And uh, I wish I could, I can't remember his name off the top of my head here. I did, wasn't unprepared to speak about him. Uh-huh. But uh, he uh, um, he told me that it's just, he goes, there's something about it. And he surfed in Hawaii but he said there was something about being in that cold water that makes it uh, special, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, and and you know they always show the the beard, uh, <laughs> the ice beards ice and all beards, that stuff. Right. And yeah, they're wearing uh, wetsuits, so yeah. that's uh, keeping yeah, them yeah. And that's a freezing must. to death. Yeah, you, yeah, that's a must. I, you could never, could never. Uh, uh, surfing in Lake Superior or Michigan. I don't think surfer surfer Tom invented the wetsuit. No. But he did surf out on the um nephew Tom said that he he would take them out into uh Washburn Bay on their surfboards really? when he was a kid. Oh, yeah. Cool. 
So yeah, he actually uh, the legend actually surfed the Schwamigan Bay. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I got to give this guy a, uh, so it is uh, Ken Cole. He is the guy who makes surfboards down in Milwaukee. And he is a psychologist. And his board making business is called Greenhouse Surfboards. And he was a really good source. That sounds I sure awesome. wish my... I sure wish my memory uh, worked better where I could just, like, bring up names immediately. But, yeah. I think he, if I remember right, he's from central Ohio. Well, Keith, uh, get on your swimsuit and let's uh, hop in the water here. It's November. It's time to go uh, do a little surfing. Excellent. All right. And uh, we'll sign off here, Keith. And I think, uh, you know, we haven't had a... uh, a walk with Henry in a while. Maybe uh, that'll be, be coming up next year. Okay. All right. So we'll uh, we're diving in. Uh, Aloha, everybody, and uh, Aloha. We'll hang ten, and boy, we should have some Beach Boys music uh, taking us out. Yeah, Wiscasota, Oaha, Oahu. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, Wisconsin. Bye bye. Good morning, Wiscasota. So here it is. Uh, Henry and I are on our, uh, I guess we'll call it the walk with Henry, like Mark calls it. It's a morning, a morning thing. Henry is sniffing. I don't know if you can hear this. He's the leaves are down. It's late October, the week before Halloween. And the leaves are down, and this is infinitely fascinating for Henry which makes a a flow to the walk a little uh, a little problematic he stops every 20 yards or so and checks things out Um, but I thought I'd just talk about kind of how lucky I am that I'm a morning person I think Uh, so it's about uh, 630 or so on a on a Wednesday morning and I've been up for about an hour and a half I've had a a two or three cups of coffee I've done some reading I've done a little chatting with my wife and now I'm out for a relaxed walk Um, and uh, it's really nice it's a little basic as the kids would say but uh, I find that I like basic. Uh, I, basic is a slur for a lot of folks, and uh, but I think it's kind of a compliment, and it's something that I am uh, that I strive for. Basic, uh, but so this is lucky because I can get in like my get outside, get the day started, think about the day ahead, etc. In the morning, but the downside is. At about 6 o'clock in the evening, I am done. It's like I can't think anymore. I can barely read. I sit down and watch. If I turn on the TV and sit down, I fall asleep. And meanwhile, Henry is like, in the evenings, that is another. He sleeps during the day. So his active time is in the morning with me. And then in the evening, and he like, he'll drop a ball into my lap. Sometimes I fall asleep in my chair 
and I'll wake up and there's like three toys in my lap uh, that I have no recollection of him putting there. Um, I don't know where I'm going with with this. I'm just sort of wandering around in the in the dark, so to speak, as the light light goes in. But I'm just uh, I guess what I uh, uh, what I'm feeling right now and trying to explain is that it's it's cold uh winter is definitely coming you feel it in the air here it's about no it's about freezing and this as much as i like winter it also is difficult and uh you know i can't just in the winter time it's dark all the time it's uh it's uh, more work for sure and it limits like what I can do and I think part of it is I'm feeling this sense of ennui I love that word ennui by the way it's sort of like a low grade not depression but uh, you know just this low grade feeling of black and uh, part of it is is because I had such high hopes for this summer you know I was gonna bike so much and got out camping and I wanted to camp more I wanted to do more and it just didn't happen the way that I thought it would um, which is par for the course I guess uh, you know I always have this sort of Socratic ideal of what I'm gonna do for whatever season I'm in and and I usually get halfway there um, so what I'm trying to do is to, you know, get through this ennui is uh, just enjoy the moment, you know. Right now it's not snowing, it's not icy. And in fact, right now Henry is like planted in the middle of this pathway along the river sniffing something. What are you sniffing, Henry? What's going on? Uh, and I can't get him to move. He's like an anchor. Oh, now he's, oh, he's reluctantly moving now so I guess I'm trying to talk myself into just simply appreciating each day as it comes and doing what I can in each day and maybe maybe even you know do something in the evening really kind of you know break through that uh, break through that uh, stationary tiredness or whatever and actually do something I one of my New Year's goals is uh, one more thing I'm calling it OMT and that's to do something active at night and I usually start my uh, New Year's resolutions in uh, in September so this is a, a beta test of my New Year's resolutions and so far it is not going very well. I can usually do one more thing in the evening. I can motivate myself to get up, stand up, and do one more thing that is an activity of any sort. Maybe two, out, one out of three days, maybe? Uh, so I'll be working on that this winter, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Anyway, so the sun is coming up. It's a beautiful, going to be a beautiful sunrise here. I'm in the blue hour, that bit of blue-gray time right before the sun comes up, before the 
sky turns pink and all that. And so I hope you guys all have a good day. Maybe you're feeling the ennui yourself. And uh, hopefully can break through it. It will. Everything is cycled. Everything uh, has its season. So take care. You've been listening to the Minnesconsin Wisconsin podcast with your hosts, Mark Niklauski and Keith Ulig. Got a question for Mark or Keith? You can email them at mnwipodcast at gmail.com. That's mnwipodcast at gmail.com. Or you can share your thoughts on the Minnesconsin Wisconsin Facebook page.